A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I talked to singer songwriter Jess Chalker, and it's a delightful chat. Uh, we talk all the usual stuff and much more. And when it when it comes to talking about tracks from a home county, uh, and you're talking to somebody uh, that's Australian and you're talking to somebody from Essex, then there's this weird kind of little revelation, which I was super hyped to uh, <laughs> to mention uh, to Jess. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's all to come. Uh, Jess chose some amazing records, uh, and he's an absolute delight and, uh, and a real rare sunshine. So you're in for a treat. Um, before we get on with the episode, uh, a few thank yous. Thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, thanks ever so much to Scroobius Pip uh, and all my brothers and sisters on on the Distraction Pieces Network. So go check out the network. Go check out Films to be Buried with, with Brett Goldstein. Say Why to Drugs by Susie Gage. Um, oh, Stop and Search with Jason Reed. There's all manner. I've got another one on there that's worth a listen. That's called Hardcore Listing. Go check that one out. Uh, and obviously you've got the podfile for himself, Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces podcast, which is, you know, there's a reason that that's one of the you know, the godfathers of the podcast scene. So go check out uh, that and explore the network because there's so much other stuff on there as well as the ones I just mentioned. Um, and lastly, another big thanks to you lot um, for continuing to be just really nice and support the podcast and and tell new people about it, which is helping me grow this podcast. And uh, and it's become so much more than I ever imagined it would be. And, uh, and that's thanks to you lot for listening and just, as I say, just being nice. So huge thanks to yous. If this is your first time listening to Off The Beat and Track podcast, then when you finished uh, when you finish today's chat with Jess, then have a rummage in the archives because there's 330 odd episodes now, and you can hear me talking to artists as diverse as the Foo Fighters through to Suede, from Idols through to Motley Crue, from um, Sleaford Mods uh, to Fatboy Slim to James Acaster to Maxine Peake to Amanda Abington to Thomas Turgoose. Ah. Oh, Comedians, actors, Butch Vig, the uh, producer, he produced, uh, what was that album called? Nevermind by Nirvana. Um, yeah, so check out my chat with Butch. That's amazing. Um, yeah, there's 330 episodes. Go have a look and uh, and you'll see stacks and stacks and stacks of your favourite bands, DJs, producers, comedians, actors. Go get stuck in. Um, all it... Well, I guess all it comes down to now, really. I'll catch up with you at the end, but in the meantime, please enjoy Off the Beaten Track with the wonderful Jess Chalker. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. 
Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Jess, how are you doing? I'm going great. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Where are you today? Um, I live in southeast London. So, yeah, down about 20 minutes out of the city. Whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm about 20 minutes out of the city on the kind of sort of borders of Essex. Ah, okay. So uh, east, northeast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that a, um? Is that your real background, or is that a? Uh, is that a? It's that a fun green screen. Do you know what the amount of people <clears throat> that that comment on that, Jess? It's it's quite weird. Um, it looks really cool, doesn't it? It looks like I've got this kind of. It's it's real. Um, and it looks like I've got this really cool kind of open brickwork. Um. But it's uh, it was about four ninety nine a roll. It's wallpaper. <laughs> it, 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 it looks good. Um, it's funny because I was I had this whole podcast chat with someone else the other day who had a studio behind him, and I was like, "Oh, that's a pretty impressive studio." And he's like, "It's a green screen." Oh, no, this, this is actually, you can never tell anymore. This, this is, is dappled sunlight in this my, is my little pub. Room. It's a little pub oh, at the wow. end of the garden. So I love uh, that. So uh, it's it's aptly titled "The Whiff In." If you see what I've done now, <laughs> very cool, very cool. Um, well, look, just before we get on to um, your, your, your playlist today, I just want to ask. Obviously, we've we've just come out uh, of a, of a surreal uh, sort of fifteen, sixteen months, um, and I just want to ask how you found it personally and creatively. I mean, personally, I found it really challenging for a number of reasons, pretty similarly to everyone else, I'm sure. Um, It's just really hard not, you know, going out and seeing people and just becoming a hermit and, you know, conducting all your relationships via Zoom was really, really strange. Um, And creatively, I mean, I guess, I mean, I finished the album, so it was great. It was productive in that way. But I I didn't feel necessarily that I because I wasn't deriving a lot of inspiration from the real world, I didn't feel necessarily that creative either. And I know a lot of other artists probably might say that they found that whole kind of um, spell of time very, I definitely found it self-reflective, but I, I, yeah, I, I, um, I I didn't find it that creative. Yeah. I, I like, I like, I like taking inspiration from, from around me and it wasn't available. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, your exit doesn't sound very South East London um, to, to, no. <laughs> to, 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 to me. Um, 
And so was you, I mean, I, I, I presume you're Australian by uh, I am, by, I am by Australian. Um, was you in Australia or was you in the UK for, for lockdown? I was actually in the UK. So um, we moved in 2018, so I've been here since then. And so we had a good sort of year of, you know, getting getting around London and getting used to a new city and then the world went into that mad chaos of 2020. <laughs> So now everyone's coming out of it. Yeah, I just, uh, it's it's strange, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. If I'm right, are they just allowing people back into Australia? Yes, they are. So, but only if you're, only if you have a citizenship, I believe, or you are married to someone who is a citizen. It's it's quite, quite hard to get in. Yeah. My brother lives in Australia and he's got citizenship. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think my folks are allowed out there yet. I think that's kind of uh, so. So your folks are there? No, my folks are in the UK, and my brother oh, right. lives in um, uh, a place called Coffs Harbour. I don't know if you know where that is. Yes, I do. Uh, it's a very beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, it's very it is. beautiful. It's, oh, I wonder uh, if they. It's very small as well. I bet. Yeah, my friends who live there. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my best friends live in Coffs Harbour. Anyway, oh, right. go on. Wow, Please there go you on. go. Um, but yeah, okay. So you was in the UK for lockdown. Well, look, um, I guess let's let, let's not sort of dwell on uh, on lockdown because we're 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 in more positive times now. So um, let's kick off the, the the playlist, Jess. And for track one, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. So um, you asked me this, and I had to think long and hard about it. And and I may come up with a different answer, different time. But what immediately came was was Thriller by Michael Jackson. Because it is so immediately recognisable from the very first note for me. Um, and I love that, you know, I know he's very controversial and I recently watched Finding Neverland, so we won't go there. But anyway, um, when I was a kid, I loved the movie um, and I watched it over and over again. And my sister was always much better at dancing than I was, so she can do the moves. But um, the song is, has a very great intro, in my opinion. I, I totally agree that that picture there, you can see my background there. Yeah, a, I that, can't. Well, I can't. <laughs> I can only that, see. You could probably I can see like I can't see your head. That's uh, that's a signed photograph of Michael Jackson. Like, no. uh, and he's obviously a very divisive character. But um, I've done three hundred and thirty odd episodes of this podcast now, and Michael Jackson has featured in a big percentage of them because yeah. You I'm know, such a cliche. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, but it's 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 just testament to the fact that let, let's separate the the man from the music for a moment and just yeah. focus yeah, on, on, on on the music and ah, oh, untouchable, mm. untouchable. As, you know, as as far as pop music goes, like r- ridiculous and thriller. I'm 48, Jess. Like that that came out when I was about 10, and that video scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, Oh my god! Like what a time to kind of catch a pop star, like just really coming into his own. Like, oh, and that you know, you can, it's really hard to imagine that there will ever be another person like like Michael Jackson in the pop space because he just. I mean, no one dances like him and no one sings like him. He was just a total triple threat. And he could act. He could sing. Um, yeah, and he's such a fascinating individual as well. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I grew up a lot, same as you, I grew up just loving him. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we should say, obviously, you know, as as, as, as 
as much speculation as there is. He's never been found guilty of anything. And don't get me wrong, there, there, there's some stuff in them documentaries I've seen that's not very nice and kind of leads me to think that maybe all wasn't quite as it seemed in the Jackson camp. But um, for the sake of this podcast, let's 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 keep to the to the music. But I do think there was, you know, the eighties definitely sort of through. I mean, you got Prince as well, and Prince was, you know, anyone that can write, dance, play, sing like that, you know, genius. genius. He's, if everyone's got, you know, everyone from LA has got a Prince story as well, which is <laughs> really, yeah, so such a mystery, mm. man, international man of mystery. But what I like, yeah, what a time for music! Like so much came out of the eighties, and um, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily class Madonna in the same league, but just like icon status kind of performance, you know? Definitely yeah. up there. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I love, I still love Madonna. Mm. Um, but yeah, Prince for me, I, I almost got a, yeah, I almost got a Prince tattoo <laughs> when he died. <laughs> he died on my birthday. Like, no. I, I was in Vienna and I just woke up and put the news on and it was like, Prince has died. And I was like, no, Prince can't die. Like people like Prince live forever. It was the same yeah. with Bowie. It was like, no, these people live forever. They yeah, don't die. Yeah, Bowie died. Yeah, gosh, and that was that one was that one really hit home for me. Um, actually, David Bowie probably even more so than Prince. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I was nearly going to have like a, a, a Bowie and Prince because they they died within months of each other. Yeah, Bowie died, I think, on his birthday or the day after in January. Yeah, Can't, when was it? Two thousand and. 14 or 15? 15. It's been a 15, while since. 15, I think. And then I remember um, everyone, and it was April when Prince yeah. started that same year. It was that crazy year that just, like, where the Grim Reaper yeah. was just like, I'm taking all of you. All the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And, I mean, insofar as, you know, to, to touch on what you said there, um, you know, will there ever be a, a, a sort of megastar like that again, you know, that, that kind of triple threat? I don't know. Do we do we look upon, you know, do you think sort of younger people coming through will look upon people like, I don't know, Beyonce or Bruno Mars in, in the way that perhaps past generations looked at Prince and, uh, and, and Jackson and Madonna? I don't know. I'm just it's, playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, it's hard to say because they were so ginormous in, in the moment, but historically speaking as well. I guess I can't remember... Feeling, I mean, I'm also not ten years old, so I don't know. Maybe we should we should follow the life of a ten year old by the time they get to forty, and then ask them who who was who has that feeling, <laughs> yeah. um, or who who insights that for them. Yeah, I mean Beyonce and Bruno Mars, but there's so much music around, and there are so many big pop stars, and just uh, things have it's changed. Um, you know, there are so many pla- you have so many mediums where you can hear music and. People listen to songs now instead of albums, and I think that's really changed the way that that, that superstardom sort of status. Like, I mean, you don't have supermodels anymore, for example. Um, so I don't know if it's a if it's a zeitgeist thing or if it's a, a perception thing. I'm not sure. Well, let, let, let's touch on that because um, th- there's two things I want to sort of touch on in, in what you just said there. So, firstly, where you said that people, you know. It, the world's not necessarily an album, an album's market anymore. You know, we are seeing people cherry pick tracks and yeah, uh, and release you know more and more sort of singles and EPs on, on on Spotify and such. Um, 
when you write, and this is going back to an intro, when when you write, are you and I and I've tried to frame this question correctly for about three hundred episodes and I never ever ever get it right. But do you um do you take into consideration the way that younger generations that are coming through listen to music and how quickly their attention spans are and how quickly their thumbs move on whatever format they're consuming their music via. Is that something that filters into your creative process? Um, For me personally as an artist, no. Um, If I'm writing, however, if I'm writing for another artist or if there's a brief from a label I'm writing for them, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, there is a way that people listen and consume and, you know, there's the three minute 30 perfect song length and where, where your core should be coming in at around 45 seconds and, um, and, and as minimal an intro as possible because people want ear candy and they want it instantly. Um, so, and, and obviously the way that people can see music and listen to it changes all the time as well, but it is a consideration when I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm called into a pop writing session, but for me personally, and it, you know, it's probably to my detriment in a way I've just, I've grown up with like a lot, you know, artists like Pink Floyd with like these little super long intros and, um, you know, the Beatles and these artists that didn't like eschewed all of that. Um, and I guess we don't, we're not really living in that same kind of a time, but I, I think a song, if a song calls for a short intro, great. Um, if it calls for a long intro or a long chorus or two choruses and not three, then that is it. I'm all for what serves the song the best. If it's, if we're talking about me as an artist. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that thing about where, you know, you were saying about the, the, the sort of superstar. Do you think that, you know, you said there's no supermodels anymore and I'm not... Do you think that's because everybody's so overexposed? And just to kind of go back to 
Prince and Jackson and Madonna, you didn't really know anything about them, did you? And that magic was kind of what made it even more alluring, do you think? <laughs> and that magic's gone now. You can see what Bruno Mars had for breakfast. He'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I really miss the, that mystery. I think, I've, yeah, I've, I've often spoken about this. Like, I think the, the mystery that those artists used to have was really great like they didn't have Instagram they didn't have like Facebook you you any kind of nugget about them like you would read interviews and you would read all the blog posts because no, not, not there was blog, blog posts back then but you would read every interview because you would like take away whatever nugget of you know, information you could find about them whereas now I think that I think people are oversaturated um that's not to say there's not super fans because obviously there are um, and there's a there's a kind of marketing um, that labels do that really want to like create you know the super fandoms where you've got like these you know the elite stars like Ariana has um, I don't know what they call her fans but then you've got the believers and then you've got you know the um, they've all got names like the little monsters um, I'm not sure that that was yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> just I think it's I I I'm, I feel like an old fuddy duddy. I really do miss those days of not knowing who my you know not knowing that much about my favorite fav, favorite artist and that was their appeal and their allure. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I, we're on the same page there. Um, track two, Jess. Um, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional <laughs> impact on you, please. Oh my goodness! This um, I feel almost embarrassed to say this is so cheesy, but um, I think and I sent I sent it to you. I always cry. There are lots of great emotional songs, but I always cry when I hear Bette Midler's "Wind Beneath My <laughs> Wings," and I think it's because I love like when I was a kid, I like. I watched the movie, that movie Beaches with Barbara Hershey and Bette Midler and um, it left such an impact on me of like, this story about this lifelong sh- friendship between these two incredible women. women. Um, one was an extrovert being like Bette Midler's character who's a singer and a star and then there was this, you know, introverted character which I really identified with Barbara Hershey's and without spoiling it for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, there's a kind of sad ending but that song reminds me of their friendship and, and what happens at the end of that movie. So I think about that story when I hear that song and it always <laughs> makes me cry that the song is quite cheesy. Um, but I, I, I should be really, oh, hang on, one second. Um, I should be really careful when I say it's, I mean, it's, it's a classic song and I actually got to write and I, I did do a co-writing session with um the writer of that song actually in in Los Angeles he's a lovely man his name's Jeff Sibler and um yeah I I, I did a writing session at his house in Los Angeles and I mean he obviously makes like mint from that song like he had a hallmark card like that's the type of hallmark card where you you press the button and it says hi happy birthday but it says you're the wind beneath my wings (laughs) oh wow so he's earning royalties like wherever you look basically yeah, I'd, I'd just love to write a song like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess one of the saddest films ever made, and and I don't know. Dude, have you seen it? Have you seen it? Well, Beachy is cool. It, it is sad, right? Oh, it's, it's heartbreaking. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
absolutely cried like a baby when I first saw that, and I won't go back and watch it again because I guarantee I'll still cry. It's uh, oh, it's 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 heartbreaking. So, so, but then what happens when you hear that song? Yeah, well, it takes you straight back. Of course, it does. It does though. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's so funny. Like it would just come on like Magic FM. You know, so, sometimes like I put on Magic FM because especially at Christmas time. Um, but when it comes on, it's just oh, oh god, here I go again. <laughs> Oh my god! So, uh, in regards to sort of emotion and music, then if you're if, if if you wake up, Jess, and you're feeling a bit low, feeling a little bit blue, do you? Can you see me? Okay, like I'm yeah. like, <laughs> sort of some weird sunlight. Um, you, you kind of like one half of you's in a shadow and the other's not, so it's kind of oh. good. I feel like I'm kind of getting like good Jess and evil Jess at different times. Like whenever okay. the kind of shadows move, I'm liking it. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> but um. In regards to that, if you wake up and you're feeling like emotional or low, um, do you do you reach for something very uplifting and positive, or do you reach for something more somber and kind of process that emotion with music and enjoy it and you know kind of work your way through however you're feeling and soundtrack it with something something mm. blue as well. That's a really good question. How about I just, while I have a think about it, I turn that back on you first. What, about, what do you do? Oh, 100%. Nick Cave, all day long. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, Nick, <laughs> and not Nick Cave, yeah. I reach for Nick Cave. Um, if, if I can't, if I need to just pick it up a little bit more, I'll, I'll go what's going on, Marvin Gaye. That, that record's kind of got a really nice kind of feel to it, but still quite quite sad. And uh, But, yeah, a, 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 anything Nick Cave and the piano, Oh yeah, that, yeah. That's, that, that's me on a low day. Yeah, I think I think I'd definitely be someone that turns to Nick Cave, or I'd put on maybe even like Cat, like early Cat Power, mm. or something like like that. Um, yeah, there's there's I, I do I also do try and listen to upbeat music when I'm feeling sad, but um, no, no, I probably listen to more sad music. Actually, yeah, I'd say I'd say Nick Cave or, or Early Cat Power or like some Radiohead. Or yeah, like Radiohead to do it. Yeah. Have you heard the new covers album by Cat Power? I haven't heard the new one. No, I know she's actually has she just put it out or she's just about yeah, to because she's touring it. She's touring it early mm. next year. Yeah, have you seen her live? I haven't. No. No. Yeah, she's she's great. I've seen her a few times. Um, I think early on she was quite polarizing um, because she used to. She, she I, I don't know what she's like now, but she used to hate performing live, and she used to get terrible stage fright and get quite drunk and like lie down on the stage and just in the middle of a set and not carry on. Yeah. Um, but since then, obviously, she's she's kind of come a long way and. Um, I think enjoys herself or seems to at least. Yeah, I, I'm a big, a big fan of hers. Have you heard? Right. So this is this is quite a long shot, right? But it's something. While we're speaking about, uh, obviously, Cat Power she's put a covers record out. But there's this 14 year old girl from Brisbane called Nell, um, and she's the youngest guest I've had on this podcast. But her dad reached out to me because it's a it's a beautiful story, Jess. Um, she went to see the Flaming Lips live in Brisbane, and I don't know if you're a Flaming Lips fan or not, but um, Wayne Coyne was in this bit gigantic bubble like he does and goes out onto the, the crowd whilst doing a cover of Space Oddity, and this guy took his daughter, 
and she was dressed in this tiny little unicorn outfit on his shoulders. And when the ball stopped in front of her, she's put both her hands on there and, he, and they've caught it on camera, her like singing Space Oddity back at Wayne <laughs> Coyne, whose hands then touch her hands through the ball. Wow. And then it kind of went a little bit viral. And Wayne Coyne then reached out to her. Turns out that, you know, she really loves music and she's like, plays music. And this week they released the first track from the album, which is The Flaming Lips with this 14-year-old girl releasing Nick Cave cover songs. And she's just released uh, the ship song. And oh, it's my goodness. Unreal. It's on Spotify. <laughs> so, yeah, if you like Nick Cave and you like kind of really lush covers, then okay. that one's spectacular. Her um, name's Nell. Okay. Nell, yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, so... For track three, I'm going to take you uh, back to school and I'm going to ask you please to tell me of the song that reminds you of your time there, please. Um, so I think for this one, I'm going to choose Semi-Sonic's um, Closing Time. It's, and it was um, when we had our last dance and I, my high school boyfriend, it takes me back to, to that time. And we, we, we sang that song as we were all leaving and it's some... Um, yeah, really funny. I know that. Do you know? Do you remember them? Of course. <laughs> right. And and now um, it's funny because Dan Wilson, who is like the lead singer and principal songwriter, is like his kind of big songwriter in LA now. He's and, not um, struggling with a mortgage, is he? No, he's, he's definitely he's <laughs> definitely not. He wrote he co-wrote um, someone like you for mm. Adele, and he has written with loads of loads of artists. He's lovely. He's quite kooky. Um, but yeah, he's 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 doing okay. I think Dan is. <laughs> yeah, they were they were huge in the UK. Like, like Secret Smile was like global mega hit, wasn't it? What Closing was time. I, Closing was time was like. Um, I I think I thought that Secret Smile was an album track. I don't think it was a single in Australia, but I know if Closing Time was. Um, I have to have a look at the record. There was another remember. big single. I, th- uh, I, th- I listened to it like I think when I was putting this together, like the, putting my ideas together. I listened to it mm. and like sang every song on the record. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my goodness, they have lo- like hang on, singing, singing in my sleep. That How's was that another going? big one. Uh, wait. Can you hear that? No. No. I can't actually remember, but I, that title's really familiar to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> there was another massive single in the UK, and I can't think what it was. I reckon it would have. I, th- I feel like that was a single, but anyway. Um, and it looks like it's got, like, loads of plays on Spotify. Must so Se- Secret Smile and Closing Time and Singing My Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. How was school, Jess? Um, good. I, I guess um, I was a pretty good student and I had lots of really good friends that I'm still friends with to this day. And um, I, I mean, I never, I was, I played guitar and stuff, but I never was a, known as the musical one at my school. What, what about you? You, you grew up, you, did you grow up where you are or you? Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of always grown up around here. And, uh, yeah, it's not necessarily, it's, it's really weird. I set this, this podcast up initially just because, um, there's, there's quite a few people from where I live that have sort of done quite well within the arts and, and I'm always fascinated 
why lots of them choose not to go to London because so many people gravitate towards London from all over the UK. You know, if you want to get a record, I move to London. If you want to be an actor, I move to London. And, and I'm always fascinated by people that don't and how they kind of facilitate it and how they do it. So that was the actual original concept of this podcast and it's kind of evolved a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, did you, did you, uh, did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Um, I definitely didn't consider music as a path ever, actually. Um, I think when I was at school, I mean, there was a, the, the dream, the dreamer side of me wanted to be an actor. I wanted to, I wanted to run away to be an actor in, in LA. Um, but then when I actually started doing a little bit of acting, I realized I didn't really like it. Um, I think a journalist, a journalist. Yeah. What about you? You're throwing the questions back at me. This is, this is quite strange. Um, <laughs> what did I want to be? I wanted to be a rock star. Did uh, you really? Yeah. I just wanted, I, I couldn't sing, but I wanted to be a singer. Uh, and yeah, so I kind of, I had a crack at it and I got a little record deal and yeah, <gasps> done some bits. But the, the biggest claim to fame we had, Jess, was um, our manager was Ricky Gervais. Our manager was more famous than us. <laughs> oh my goodness! You still keep in touch? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Like, but um, yeah, I think I think Ricky's done all right for himself. I, I think, think he has. I think he's all right. But wasn't he like he, he was a musician himself for a while? Yeah, he? he 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 was managing us. He was also managing Swade um, ah. as well. So yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he was yeah. a, he was a promoter at the time. He was at, like the the Ents manager at um, the the venue Yulu in London, University of London Union. Uh, yeah, that was kind of after his kind of new romantic uh, Bowie-esque career. Uh, that wow! He tried to, uh, so that's to... that's what he did before. Then he was a he became a writer because I uh, guess there was like he did the new romantics of that phase, and then he didn't do the offense until he was like forty or something. Yeah, so he was he was a promoter. So he was putting the wow. bands on uh, at, at the University of London Union alongside the I believe it was the drummer from Suede. I think that's how his relationship with Suede uh, formed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, That's uh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, what a story. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, like, yeah, it all fizzled out for me, but he went on to become a global megastar. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> kind of I know. I, I, I mean, he's, um, he's doing all right for himself, isn't he? He's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th- uh, you know, he, he, friends, yeah, friends see him in Hampstead all the time, like live in Hampstead, that's him in, that he got the time walking there. Yeah, when they walk their dogs, he like yeah. loves that. He knows their dog's name, but not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, dear. Right. So, I mean, you, you said that you had a um, a guitar and, uh, when when you was growing up, but you wasn't necessarily known as, you know, the musical girl at school. Like, mm. did you grow up in a musical household? Was there records on at home growing up? Yeah, I did. Um, so, my, I mean, my dad was um, a musician. He played in his youth he was in he was in bands and all that and he had a musical instrument store in Australia which is still going called the Guitar Factory but he was also um he was my dad became a Jehovah's Witness when I was quite young which is why not a lot of people know that Michael Jackson grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and I always felt a kinship with Mike yeah wow Michael yeah um so uh, I think I guess as part of that we didn't really um yeah, I wasn't sort of meant to be in bands or standing on stage singing. And I'd often, you know, if I, if I had took a guitar to school, I'd, I'd be the one playing for someone else. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but which suited me fine as well. So it's like, I don't know why I never really, I never really have been a, the type of person that loves getting up in front of everyone. And, you know, I like, I like creating much more. Um, you wasn't, you wasn't necessarily a kind of confident kid then. I was no, I was definitely confident and I would stay, I'm, I'm still really confident. It's a, it's a different style of like confidence. I think that you need for like, there's a certain certain swagger or like this feeling that you have of maybe like the world needs to hear my music and there's nothing wrong with having that um if you've got that I think I never really sort of had that like that um that type of confidence which I think you really need if you want to like pursue life as as a rock star but for me I've just been this like shy artist um comparatively (laughs) okay track four okay First song you bought from a record store, please, Jess. Oh, my, um, I actually can't remember what, uh, what did I say for this. Uh, first, um, I think that, my, yeah, so my dad had this shop and I, we had one that closed down and we ended up with um, all of the vinyl and all of the CDs from that store came back to my place and I was like, like a kid in the candy shop, obviously. How but cool I, I feel, I, it was amazing. I think that it was Martika by Martika <laughs> and um so that was like probably my first CD and um and then or maybe bad Michael Jackson's bad yeah I think it might be it was either either one of those two um and then for vinyl I um I bought this there's a bush musician in Australia bush folk artist who's kind of like our Bob Dylan um called John, John Williamson and he created this like record called Rip Rip Woodship, which I, which I bought, which was all very pro environment at that time when, you know, no one was, you know, you were a hip, like I was always very pro environment. So I guess I was a bit of a, I was considered a bit of a hippie. Yeah. That's not a bad <laughs> thing. Martika. So. Do you, do, you remember, do you know who that is? Yeah, of course. So oh, yeah, you do. There was. Uh, obviously, Toy Soldiers was was huge. Amazing. Martika's Kitchen. Yeah, not so much. I, I think that what was, was the not one on before. Uh, the, she was really well known. She did a cover of "I Feel the Earth Move Under My Feet" by oh, Carol yeah, King. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I didn't know that was a cover. So actually, it was Martika introducing me to Carol King. But she also did a cover um, of which wasn't on the Martika Martika record. She did a cover of Prince's Love Thy Will Be Done, which was, like, amazing. Yeah. Or even Prince may have written it for her. Um, that's, like, I think an unbelievable song. Yeah. Um, yeah, she does quite well. And I just, still listen to that sometimes. I'm sure there was another single uh, that that maybe was the first one that kind of blew up for her over here. It's going to drive me mad. Martika. Martika's Kitchen was a hit. It just wasn't on that record. Um, there was definitely Martika. one before Toy Soldiers. It's going to drive mm, me mad. And same, I have to know as well. So there's Toy Soldiers, I Feel the Earth Move, Cross My Heart maybe? Ah, whatever. I think we'll have to figure out. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be doing a deep dive on Martika today. Love it. <laughs> I mean, just to touch on bad as well. I mean, if we're going to look at a perfect pop record, I mean, was it pretty much 90% of, was everything a single on that album? 
they were, it was very single heavy. And I mean, it was back in the days when record labels used to spend like a million dollars on a film clip. So they would, mm. you know, I remember the, remember the film clip for bad where it was just mm. like the gangs in the street and they were with the jackets and they were yeah. dancing and it was crazy. It was yeah. so cool. It was, um, I, uh, I, I interviewed, um, uh, a music video maker that, that was kind of, um, responsible. He made the video for Dirty Diana. Yeah. Uh, and he made the video for, what was the other one with Slash? Give In To Me, was it? Give In To Me, yeah. Of course, Slash was all over that record, wasn't he? Yeah. I think so, yeah. And uh, oh, it escapes me the name of this director's name, but uh, we were sort of doing this this other podcast talking about like over overblown, ridiculously egotistical driven bloated videos from the 80s yeah and and he mentioned some of these and i was just like and then he said he made some for bon jovi and i was like did he did he make the big one and i was like when he kept talking about slash i was like did you make the video for november rain and he was like yes i was like no my god (laughs) (laughs) it gets no bigger or overblown than that it's so overblown. That song's like ten minutes long or something like that as well. Talk about talk about, and it was on commercial radio as well. I know. It was so little, but I remember like this song was going forever. You would never hear a song ten minutes long. So the church, radio. the church that they used in that, yeah, was on wheels, and it just gets used in lots of things. It's actually used in Young Guns as well. That church. <laughs> Church on Wheels. I know what I'm gonna make. <laughs> Who thought of ever making a church on wheels? Can you imagine? I'm gonna make I, a million dollars. I'm gonna build a church on wheels. I think he said the band turned up ten days late, not ten hours, ten days late uh to the shoot. Uh it was all Axel's ego and idea, this video. And uh, it was like, as he was telling me all these little bits and pieces about what it was like, like, the band hated each other at that point. When Slash storms out the church, he was literally quitting the band. He said, like, <laughs> he said it was just like, you can imagine, like, there must have been handbags flying around everywhere. I'd love to have been there. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, we, we digress. So, I guess I, I like to ask guests about record shops and that, but... And, and that kind of relationship you have with them. But I suppose yours is quite different if it was the family business. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, it was, okay, so it was an instrument shop. Mm-hmm. And then they happened, and this one particular store happened to also have a record shop attached mm-hmm. to it. I think my dad was just like thinking really big and then it obviously <laughs> didn't work out. Um, but sorry, you do you mean like, Sorry, what was it like having a? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I'm always interested to know about people's kind of relationships with with that journey of going to buy the record, you know, and just to go full circle, really, on on that whole kind of thing of, you know, now it's all very fast and it's all very, you know, people just buy a single track, whereas I think a lot of people associate more of a journey of going and buying them first records and, and then getting it home and just staring at the sleeve and devouring yeah. the sleeve notes. And, ha- remember, and being so I mean? proud of your collection and yeah. just, you know, being, you know, having a, I was reading um, Elton John's book and ha- how he, his, he loves his vinyl collection and still collects vinyl to this day, but he's so careful with his vinyl. Like he used to, I think he wore gloves when he took the vinyls out. And, you know, I think, I think we have, that's really sad because, my my dad's shop was is, was great, but I wouldn't say like 
with that he had that shop during my formative years where same as you like I would go in and buy you know I would read something about an artist I'd never heard of and I would listen to it and then I would buy it and I would take this album home that you know for this artist who I'd never heard of and I'd either love it or not but there was a that there's um we've we've lost that and I think that's I, I think it's really sad I, I I loved I mean now you know it it's uncommon for for an artist you've never heard of to even be in a record shop like what record shops are yeah. available yeah. <laughs> um so it's um yeah it's a lot harder for for bands and young artists because there are so many of them now and I guess with the tools that you can make records at home and um so easily upload them to Spotify it's just harder to get your music out there but yeah I I, I loved going in and like discovering new music um that's it's 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 a lost time i'm so glad that i was a part of it (laughs) and before we 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 talk clubbing you you touched upon the fact that you was you know that that you've got confidence in 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 what you do um and you've chosen a a very competitive industry to immerse yourself in jess so um so with that in mind would you say that you're driven um i'm definitely driven and um yeah i think there's a I, I, I like to be a part of, you know, I'm probably less commercially driven and more artistically driven, even with the, the people that I work for. Um, and again, that's probably to my detriment. I should just choose the things that pay me really well. Um, I'm just really, I want to connect with people who I think are good. Um, and I want to write songs that I believe in yeah. and otherwise, otherwise I'd just get a corporate job. Um, which, you know, done before that just it feels if I was just doing it for money, then that would feel very much the same. I think this is, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm driven to leave. I'm driven by legacy and I'm driven to, to leave something behind that hopefully enriches someone's experience. Um, you know, whether it's in the car or whether they, you know, need, need it at a certain moment. Um, that's what drives me. Yeah. And that's so important that you just said the word car there and so many people that have been on this podcast will reference like most recently um, Foo Fighters was talking about just that song, their first emotional memory in a car with my dad, like hearing it on the radio, like hearing it on a tape in my car and like, and there was many before that, that their first emotional attachment to music is kind of family holidays in the car and like yeah. hearing them songs and and I've I've mentioned it before. It's like um, I don't know if if it was a, a, a hit um, in Australia in in the eighties, but there's a an amazing record by a, a Scottish band called Aztec Camera called Somewhere in My Heart. I don't know if you know that. No, uh, I'm not going to sing it, um, <laughs> but uh, but it's a beautiful pop song and Somewhere uh, in My Heart. Somewhere in My Heart. Yeah, okay. there is a light that uh, a star that shines for you. Silver splits the blue. You, you you would know it when you hear it, and it's that, and that's kind of the point of what I'm saying is that my my children were in the car and it come on the radio, and they were singing along, and I was like, how, how do you know this song? It's come out in like 1987, and and they're like, oh, it's just it's just one of them songs, isn't it? And it just blew my mind that some songs are just interwoven into just the fabric of of culture and music, and yeah. they just find their way. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, they they 
they kind of, they're alive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 And then whether or not they're on a, an, they're used in an ad or, in a, you know, people, some songs just live forever. Totally. Um, mm. Totally. I'm going to take you clubbing, Jess. Uh, so for track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing, please. Uh, I'd have to say Lady by Mojo. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that track. Um, I think, I, I mean, I remember, I remember it playing the very first time that I, you know, took, I went to a, to a club in Sydney and I had a really great time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if I, I could really tell you any story, but in particular, I just remember it being on like really, really loud in the car on the way you know, for us to go clubbing when we were really young and it was like, yeah, we're going to like drink and we're going to be up all night. We're going to see the sunrise, you know, those, those crazy fun years that you have that, you know, now I can't like drink really until, you know, if I have a drink at 1am, I'm like dead in the next morning. So <laughs> it reminds me of that time when, you know, the whole, the world was your oyster and like yeah. everything is ahead of you. What's your, what's your song? I'm curious to know. What's your club song? Well, I, I I I run a nightclub. That's kind of what I do as well. Uh, oh my and, goodness! And, and so I've I've run a, a kind of. Uh, I'm a, sorry, I didn't know that. It's a quirky little kind of um, kind of indie club that's kind of yeah. I've I've, I've worked there 28 years. It's, it's called the Pink Toothbrush. And, oh my goodness! And it's this bizarre little place. Like the the, the in-house band like was was Depeche Mode, like they were our resident band. And it's, yeah, there's lots of kind of history in this this weird little place. And uh, so my my kind of clubbing was always kind of indie clubs, really. So I'd go, yeah, like I'd go up to London and go to these like little indie nights and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I, I guess mine would probably be, oh, I don't even know, it's not even a dance song. If I had to pick a dance song, it would probably be Out of Space by The Prodigy. Uh, other than that, It'd have to be Debaser by the Pixies because it just makes me want to go nuts when I hear that and dance. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> have you seen the Pixies live? Have you seen that song uh, play I've, there? I've seen them, yeah, several times. I saw them at Brixton when they come over and, and play, like, the album Doolittle. And, and, yeah, so that was pretty cool. I've got – have you? I have, yeah. <laughs> I saw them about – they played um, Splendor in the Grass 2000 and – guess 12 was this crazy lineup where everyone like all these amazing bands played in the pixies headlined and um i remember like rich i was seeing like richard ashcroft ashcroft from the verve and like i think he was on at the same time no one went and watched him did they (laughs) no one and he went fuck this i'm going to pixies (laughs) my brother was at that show (laughs) yeah and, and that was quite famous he had a strop didn't he richard ashcroft yeah well because no one no one saw him yeah yeah and we didn't, uh, to be honest, like we didn't plan to see him either. We just like happened to be there from watching whatever the last band was. We we're like, let's go to the Pixies. And <laughs> I mean, I love the Verve, but I love the Pixies. Oh, my, uh, I've got quite a cool it was story about uh, about the Pixies. Well, my um, my brother um owned a couple of bars in Brisbane, and uh, and he was working one, and he used to kind of do like sort of advertise to like whoever was big was playing he'd be like well, come and have some food here if you're going to go and watch whatever show in the evening and he was just like working in his um like bar restaurant uh in brisbane and he said there was no one in there it was like lunchtime it just opened 
Frank Black walked in and like and my brother was like, fuck, it's Frank Black. <laughs> and he said he just sort of come and sat at a bar and was just sort of said to my brother, are you English? Like, yeah, like what are you doing over here? And he was like, oh, just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and then he just went like, yeah, he just said like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over from the States just on doing some work and that. And he just completely played down who he was. And like my brother just sort of went, you are. <laughs> I, I, I know you are. Like, I'm a fucking ridiculously <laughs> mad fan, and I'm really trying to rein it in right now. And Aww. he was just like, "Oh man, do you want me to sign some stuff?" And he just sort of signed some bits for the bar and stuff. And uh, and then he, he went would to love that. Oh, my brother went, "Look, can I at least get you dinner? Yeah. Like, can I pay for your your food?" And he went, "No, no, 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 no." And my brother went, "Look, I'm, I'm I can't take money off you. Like, you know, just thanks for like what you've done for like." you know my 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 record collection and he went okay cool and then as he went out he gave the girl on the door the waitress like a hundred dollars like as a tip and then you think oh it's lovely when you hear nice things like that about people you just think oh there's still lots of good people in the world and uh yeah but your your brother must have also made him feel so good about himself because you know you've been you know someone you, you were someone and now you are you're still someone but no one really knows you know he would have he would have been yeah he would have been hugely grateful that someone recognized him and knew his music and Definitely. obviously like van tipped the girl a hundred dollars okay i'm taking you home jess uh for track five favorite song from an artist from your home county please Okay, so this is our this is sort of educational this uh, this choice. Um, though I think he was very big over here, John Farnham. I'm going to educate you on this a little bit as well, but go on, <laughs> okay. you go first. <laughs> okay, so John Johnny Farnham was is this uh, Jesus kind of character in Australia um, of music, and he's got a tremendous voice, and he's known as the voice. And the song I'm going to um, say for this is You're the Voice by John mm-hmm. Farnham, um, which is sort of a, an unofficial Australian anthem. Anyone who's anyone will know this song. If you ever want to impress an Australian, you just mentioned this song, I'll put it on your playlist. It's a song that will get up on the bar and we'll dance to at like 2 a.m. if you ever put it on. So, yeah. it's, it's that, a, that song was a huge hit here as well. Yeah, right? it's a huge hit, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. It's, it still sounds so good. It's like it's a fist pumper, right? <laughs> it's so it's like that's a song that's alive. Like that's just going to be forever. That song. Yeah, I as remember, soon as you come, you know, if that's got a strong intro too. Like, oh, it really has. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> my brother because uh, we knew that song, and it was just like a bit of a, a kind of in the UK. It gets played at kind of like. I don't know if you call it like sort of cheesy rock nights and things yeah. like that, you know, with hair metal, yeah. that'd get sort of thrown <laughs> in with that. And like, my brother phoned me up and, I, and it was like, whatever this kind of Australian version of the Brit Awards were, he must have got some sort of lifetime achievement thing. Yeah. And my brother phoned yeah, me up like, and he was like, mate, people really fucking love John Farnham. <laughs> and I was like, really? He went, he got some award and like, most of my housemates were crying. I was like, what? They <laughs> <laughs> really like him over here. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I, I can't remember him winning that award, but it would have been emotional. Yeah, I probably would have been a little, bit, a little emotional seeing that. So, and, let- and, sorry, and he's, he's also a bit of a national joke as well because he's been saying, like, since I was a kid, that this is going to be my last 
tour ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on sale and he sells it out and then he comes back year on year. Um, yeah, he's like, a, he's like a rug shop. I don't know if that's another, that's another Australian thing. You see a rug shop closing down. Yeah, have you got found out in a rug shop. Have you got your computer in front of you, yeah? Yes. Are you going to get John, John Farnham on Wikipedia, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where was John Farnham born? Um, he's British born. He's an oh, Essex boy. He's from Essex. He was born in Canvey Island. He's from Dagenham. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so he's actually right. Yeah, right. so I can have him for my home yeah, you county. Can claim, you can claim him. <laughs> there's, this, there's this really lovely video. I, I'm not sure. Where's Tom Jones from? He's Wales. from Wales. Yeah. There's a lovely video on YouTube of um, Johnny Farnham and Tom Jones on an old TV show called Hey, Hey, It's Saturday in Australia. And there's a video of them both singing and them both, like, loving on each other. It's just very, very sweet because John Farnham's voice is just, like, you know, as a singer, it's like yeah. epic. Yeah, yeah, we got good good singers in Essex. Right. <laughs> Must be that that water and Dagenham. <laughs> Honestly, like when I saw that, I, I was looking up when probably when I started this podcast, I was looking for people from Essex to have on for. Like, I was going to do it in series, and I thought first series I'll have Essex, like people from Essex and and their their track and how they they've, they've worked their career. And I just googled like musicians from Essex, and I was like. John Farnham, he's from Essex. <laughs> just phoned my brother. I was like, mate, he's from Essex. <laughs> um, that's um, that's crazy. I can't believe that. <laughs> Dagenham's finest, mate. Yeah. Um, okay, so for the last track, Jess, I'm going to ask you, please, and you can play Tastemaker and Influencer on this one. Um, okay. To, uh, to tell me a song, please, that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, so I am going to suggest checking out a really cool, um, Swedish duo called Nikki and the Dove. Mm-hmm. And the song that I'm going to choose is You Want the Sun, which, um, is very, if you like, um, so there's sort of like a slash between Fleetwood Mac and Empire of the Sun and they're just all feel good, like sunny, sun-drenched tracks and, um, Marlon's voice is amazing. How did you discover them? Um, I can't remember. Probably through some obscure blog or like Spotify. No, I tell you where I heard of them for the first time. I heard of them. I heard them in a play. Like I was having lunch and I heard them on like a playlist, and I shazammed them. And I thought, like these guys are amazing. And actually, I would say that that um, they inspired me. They've inspired me a lot. Um, the style of music that I, I listen to a lot of classic records, but I'd say Nicky and the Dove really. Their sound like inspired me a lot for this record. Yeah. Okay. Well, people can listen to. Have it you heard they... of them before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and we can we we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast, so people can listen to all of the songs um, we've, we've spoken about today, and uh, including Dagenham's finest, uh, <laughs> John Farnham. <laughs> um, as um. It's going to be As, the weirdest playlist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like geez, I have, is anyone going to follow? Like, you're the voice. <laughs> like, and, and wind beneath my wings. <laughs> what well, a medley. 
Well, I guess we're hoping that the rest of this year and 2022 are going to be a far more connected and happy and positive place than where we was this time last year. So with that in mind, Jess, what are you looking forward to from the coming months and what's going to be happening professionally? Personally, I'm looking forward to getting back to Australia and seeing friends and family. My sister had a baby last year. I haven't met yet, and my sister-in-law had a baby. Um, and then professionally, I'm sort of looking forward to playing the songs on this record live, um, and getting in front of people again, getting getting together with the band, and I'm really looking forward to doing that and having a, you know, getting off Zoom. <laughs> Have to come and check out your nightclub. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Um, and also, if people want to kind of keep up to speed with, um, you know, releases and, and dates and stuff, where's the best place to kind of keep up to speed with you? Thank you. Um, I've, I have a mailing list that I don't um, I don't send mail very often, maybe once a month or something, but on my website you can sign up to my mailing list, jesschalker.com. Thank you. Well, I will put that on the bio for this episode so people can just go click it and uh, and go and have an explore. <laughs> Jess, it's been an absolute delight talking Likewise. with you today. Thank you Likewise. so much, mate. <laughs> Thank you as well. I will never forget that John Barnum is from Essex. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Jess Chalker. Lovely. What a wonderful natter. Um, oh, John Farnham. Dagenham. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it, eh? Um, yeah, wonderful chat. Go check out um, Jesse's music. Um, go click the link in the bio. Uh, sign up to the uh, the, the mail app. Um, and thanks. Thanks to Jess. Um, thanks to Paula for facilitating that. Uh, and thanks to you lot for listening. You lot really are the best. Thank you so much for continuing to, yeah, just be really bloody nice um, and support this podcast. It really does, really does, you know, when I see the you know the little numbers of of, of, of people that are listening to this podcast, yeah, it uh, it makes me very very happy that I get you know to be privileged to have these chats with so many amazingly talented people. Um, and if that ain't enough, you know, I have an audience of people that enjoy listening as well, so it just makes everything perfect. Have a smashing week, you lovely lot. I'm back next time. Love you lots. Be excellent to each other. Bye bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it. Eat it, boy.